This podcast is presented by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at PacificOffice.com. J.J. Watt in the backfield. J.J. Watt, baby. Connor to the 10, to the 5, and into the end zone for the touchdown. Welcome to Cardinals Underground, presented by Pacific Office Automation. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. Touchdown, Tyler Murray. That defender is in multiple pieces. Oh, that was nasty right there, right? The latest news and notes from the insiders who cover the team. Drilled by Simmons. Isaiah Simmons is balling. Bring it on, bring it on. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. I ain't scared of nobody. Here's Paul Calvisi. There's always something you can learn about the team you cover. I did not know, for example, and we could do a whole podcast and stuff, I did not know, Paulie Podcast over here, Darren Urban, Danny Sarek, did you two realize that James Conner had his last name tattooed across the entirety of his bicep in big block letters, by the way? Yes. yes. One arm says Connor, the other says Strong. Yes. I did not know I've that. I've seen that a few times, I did not, so He that, doesn't wear sleeves a lot, Paul. You really should have noticed yeah, sooner but, but, you know, But you have to get up and, and flex to actually see the underside of his bicep. But yeah. not uh, obviously not everyone can take your last name in big block capital letters and put it across your bicep. You, the only you, reason you don't is Calvisi's just a little too long? No, I think it's because he's got I Andy on his arm. <laughs> Okay. Where's the funeral dirge? Well, it took 37 seconds for the gloves to come off. Here we go. Here we go. Are you sad, Paul? Other things that we've learned uh, within moments of Cardinals Underground brought to you by Pacific Office Automation. It is like so on as Andy Isabella is like so off this roster. He's been released. Other moves. uh, Cardinals assigned Billy Price from the Raiders practice squad. Yes, he is a center. We'll get into that a little bit. The kicker, Matt Amendola, as reported, has been signed to the practice squad. I, I think, thought everybody was supposed to be getting healthy, Paul. And uh, they released the quarterback, Jared Garantano, from the practice squad as the maneuverings continue with the return of a couple other players, or at least potential return, I guess I should say, of Antoine Wesley and Antonio Hamilton. Who else am I missing there? There was a third Colt person. Colt McCoy. Colt McCoy, that is right. So, uh, okay. All right, where are we going to start? You brought it up. Go ahead, Darren. Uh, you fill in the blank. Andy Isabella, no well, longer an Arizona Cardinal. There's not a whole lot of filling out. I mean, this doesn't this feel a little anticlimactic at this point, Paul? I mean, Should we be surprised a little bit, though, a little bit, that uh, it happens before the return of DeAndre Hopkins? They're still a little thin I, in the receiver but, room. But what, what difference was he making on the field? Well, he was getting in the way, him and Rondell Moore, of reps for Greg Dorch. Yeah, I certainly didn't like seeing Greg Dorch next to me on the sideline most of the Carolina game. Although, I didn't think that was in the Cardinals' best interest. Although, to me, that's all about Rondale Moore because at this point, Andy Isabella was playing outside and, and Greg Dorch was playing inside, and that's where they want Rondale Moore. I mean, for me... But ask Dorch, he'll tell you he'll play anywhere and everywhere. You're right. Well, of course, they all want yeah. to play, but whether they are suited to play there is a whole different deal. And I, I guess, I mean, for me, the Isabella thing... Again, anticlimactic. It wasn't. I understand where you're coming from, but it tells me Antoine Wesley is about to come back, and they do have Andre Baselli if they need him. And the other real realism about this is, is like you, you've got a couple of positions where you have way too many people. You have too many outside linebackers, probably. You have too many running backs, probably, and you have too many offensive linemen. And that's what ended up happening here because. 
They wanted to sign Billy Price, the veteran center, who visited the summer when they thought Rodney Hudson might retire. And now he's on the, the team, and we're not exactly sure why, but it sure makes my radar go up that something's wrong with Rodney Hudson. Well, he did come off the field. Rodney Hudson did come off the field in Carolina and then went back into the game later. So, uh, you know, what was the aftermath? We don't know. As of this, we, we have no idea. But, yes, Cardinals feel like they need depth. In that. And then you have four tight ends. So there, there's, there's a few position rooms that are a little top-heavy on this 53 right now. And so I'm guessing there's going to be some All more offense, moves. too. Yeah. It yeah. also makes you wonder about A.J. Green with his knee. He didn't play in Carolina. Yeah, but if, if you're going to release Andy Isabella and you're getting Tweezy back, more than likely coming off IR, maybe yeah. A.J. Green is going to be ready to go this well, week. Well, and it's funny you say that because there was a couple guys warming up before uh, the game and – not that it's running routes or getting hit, but A.J. Green was doing sprints. Hmm. So I thought that was interesting. And, of course, uh, within moments of Andy Isabella being released, the predictable tweets come out saying that D.K. Metcalf was selected right after Andy Isabella. And D.K. Metcalf was in the news, I just realized. Things we didn't know until moments before podcasting. Didn't realize you didn't DK, know this? D.K. Metcalf was on that cart. Yeah, for you didn't know this? Entirely different reason. I guess Paul was, Paul was on the radio well, making his Paul way down to the working, field. working, I get it. I'm on the sideline the whole game. I'm out of the loop, totally out of the loop. So I get back on the team plane, and I start hearing the good stuff for There's getting online. There's in the room, Paul. Let's not no get too I no idea about nasty. that. Yeah, Darren so, and I were sitting next to each other anyway. in the press box when we saw that. <laughs> well, because when it, when it first happened, they said everybody said D.K. Metcalf's getting carted off, and everybody's like, oh, my God. Right. And uh, Fox... Yeah. Fox broadcast cleared that up yeah, fairly yeah, quickly. Yeah, well, uh, the, the much fact to it was, my chagrin. The fact it was in Detroit, and it's a long walk up a lot of stairs to get to the visiting That's locker true. room. That has something to do with it. That's so true. there you go. Other things. Uh, by the way, James Conner was on NFL Network for all the right reasons for angry runs. So, boom, the stiff arm right there as he delivered it, and down went J.C. Horn, who's not a small dude, by the way. J.C. Horn tried to... Tried to uh, get a little physical with Kyler at one point in the game. Came to the Cardinals sideline. That dude is every bit of 6'1", 200. And James Conner just dropped him with a stiff arm. That was good stuff. It's what, a good thing. What, 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 how are we feeling right now? Maybe we get a temperature in the room. Danny, how are you feeling right now about 2-2? Two two? I think a lot of people don't know what to think about the Arizona Cardinals with this record at this stage. I think to a certain extent... You like the way that this team has Very made yep, made halftime adjustments to come back. She's making halftime adjustments to her own thoughts. Uh-huh. She's, for, she's sure for, formulating them on the fly. Sure Here am. We just go. give me a second, Paul. Here we go. Yep. I think if you're looking for a positive, just yep. the way that this team has been able to make those in-game adjustments, come back, play better in the second half. Uh, I'm not sure that this has looked like a 2-2 two and two team. To be quite honest, we haven't seen a full game of complimentary football. The defense is what held this team in the game in Carolina. Three points in the first half for a Cardinals offense. Again, mm. yet to score a point in the first quarter. Ouch. It took them a couple of opportunities, turnovers forced by the defense, for the Cardinals to take advantage on offense and score points. So I'm not sure that this even looks like a 2-2 two and two team at this point, to be quite honest, because they are not playing cohesively. This offense is still very slow. The defense... Had a great game. I don't want to take that away from them. But this was also a struggling Carolina team. So while that was a great defensive performance, and that was the first time that their opponent didn't score on their first three drives, I feel like I need to see at least one more game 
good up opportunity this week against the undefeated Philadelphia Eagles to see if this defense can do it again. But to me, this hasn't even looked like a two and two team. You ever take that class in college where, you know, almost the entirety of the grade is based on the final exam? Oh, yeah. So then you're playing. Very nerve-wracking. Yes. So you're playing during the semester is, you know what, I'm going to do just enough to stay right in the mass group. It's graded on a curve, so I don't necessarily need to ace the exam. I just need to be better than the two of you. And, And so you just prepare accordingly. You make sure you don't fall too far behind the class. And then when it comes time for finals, boom, you turn it on and you right, and, and, and you go all in. And then you're like, all right, here we go, because the entirety of the grade is based on the final exam. I get the sense that's the identity of this team right here, right now. As we were saying to Craig Grillo on cover two, uh, September is the new August. I think they treated September like August. They just, nobody played in August you can even make the case that nobody really played, you know, meaningful reps among some of the vital players in camp, much less the preseason games. So they took the entirety of September and maybe a couple of days into October to figure things out. And all you have to do, just stay with the masses, the rest of the students in the class. So, boom, when it comes time for the final exam, you're ready to strike. Well, I don't think that's a horrible analogy, Paul. I would say you're, the thing you have to count on, though, is that everybody else has got the same mindset because that's a long time to kind of wing it before you can get it can get away from you and and the one thing about the league right now except for of course the team the cardinals play this weekend is it feels like everybody's a little bit of there's a little bit of mediocre everywhere um i think the chiefs have played excellent football for the most part i know they have one loss obviously the eagles have other than those two teams, I mean, is there anybody that I've been really impressed with? I mean, the 49ers are unbelievable defensively, but offensively, eh. Yeah. Well, if they would have had Jimmy G, they wouldn't have lost to the Bears, right? Instead of How Trey do you Lance. Know? Yeah, I mean, they almost they lost to the Broncos. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so and and look, for whatever reason, the Niners obviously play the Rams so well because the key to beating the Rams, and we talked about this a couple weeks ago, do we not, Danny, as I get fired up. The key to beating the Rams is not just beat L.A., it's beat up L.A. They're not the toughest team. You can get physical with the Rams, and the Niners have that ability, and that's why they've won seven in a row in the regular season and probably should have won the NFC Championship game, minus the dropped interception from the center field by Joukowsky Tart. Otherwise, they might have been in Super Bowl 56. So they go in and they say, you know what? We're going to just bludgeon the Rams. And, and they do that with George Kittle and Kyle Juszczyk and Nick Bosa. And they all come right, up. All right. All right. right? I, I just, I'm I, I feel like the Bay Area kid in you is starting to sorry. come out a little bit. That's a, that's a little just, bit. I'm, I'm stinking. A little, little bit of 49ers yeah. rah rah there. Yeah. I don't need to hear. But the inverse of that is the Cardinals own the 49ers because they go to Levi Stadium, the one six out of eight. So, you know, the NFC West is peculiar like that. Yeah, but there's a long time till that game. Yes, there is. Yes, there is. But see, let's not rush. I haven't done yeah. my Christmas shopping yeah. yet. Yeah. Anyway, the uh, the Cardinals. The and, Cardinals and the way, are done with the Rams and the Seahawks before they even play the 49ers once. Is that true? Mexico really? City's the first matchup, right? Yeah. Wow. And that, and the week before is their second meeting with the Rams, and they will already have been done with the Seahawks. At that point. By the way, can I say the 2022 Eagles right now feel like the 2021 Arizona Cardinals? I was thinking about that. I asked Zach Allen kind of about that in his press conference on what day is today. Wednesday on Monday. Just go with recently. recently? I, I, that serves me well when I can't remember days, just recently. That's what recently. I use. Recently. Okay. Yes. 
Uh, Zach Allen's press conference recently, I asked him about understanding that mentality of last year was the Cardinals undefeated and going up against now the only undefeated team in the league and the Eagles of knowing, you know, at some point they've got a break, maybe a little extra motivation to hand that undefeated team their first loss. I mean, everyone is crowning Philadelphia right now. And when you look at who they played, speaking of that, Darren, speaking of teams that other good teams have played, I mean, you beat Detroit by a field goal. You beat the Vikings at home. You beat the Commanders. And you beat the Jaguars after you trailed 14 nothing, and Trevor Lawrence gave you four fumbles. You can only play who's in front of you, Paul. <laughs> so, I mean, just... You know, the rest of the NFL, just keep giving the Eagles all their props and plaudits. Keep complimenting them. Keep telling them how good they are, how they're destined for the Super Bowl. Go ahead, crown them in week five, and then see what happens on game day. Well, I mean, if they're like the 2021 Cardinals, that's not the worst thing in the world. We'll see how they finish. I mean, at least we're not saying they're like the... Uh, 2012 Cardinals, who were 4-0, actually right. crushed the oh Eagles my. at home. That's right. And uh, yeah. we all know how that turned out, Paul. Yep, yep. Danny um, doesn't because she was in middle school. But... Immediately. High school. Oh, sorry, high school. I, I like how you're like, oh, <laughs> high school. Uh, so, uh, so uh, <laughs> yeah. No, I'm, I'm thrown because I still remember the 4-0 postgame interview with Ken Wisenon yes. on the radio side. Probably was. Talking I, about how he doesn't get any respect. Yeah, and yeah. I remember asking him some along the lines of because I knew I knew it would trigger him. We'd get a good answer. Some along like, well, there weren't <laughs> there weren't a lot of believers, coach, in August, and then he went off and he flexed the you're, four. You're the only person that would want to trigger Ken Wisenhut. I had no and, desire well, to do that. And I knew it would be a solid soundbite, and it was. And then that was the downfall. Just just yeah. you know the plane dive sound effect. Go ahead and yeah. cue it because uh, Cardinals finished nine five and eleven in that a, year. Oh, they lost after that. So, by the way, Zach Allen. Uh, that's that's good. That's a good enough reason, Danny, to talk about Zach Allen. And and can I just say this? He played a great game. There's no doubt about it. It was all over the box score. It was crazy how productive he was. What the sack, two quarterback hits. He had three passes defense. He had a tackle for loss. He had six tackles. Second best game of his NFL career. Remember against Philadelphia, 2020. If you want to talk about the Eagles, remember Zach Allen, Week 15, 2020, against the Eagles when he had a sack in that game. He had 11 tackles. He had a quarterback hit, a tackle for loss, and a pass defense. And there was some sort of ridiculous historical stat that I don't have in front of me, but for a defensive lineman to have 11 tackles in a game, it was right up there with some of the all-time best performances. Well, Jalen Hurts was very inexperienced at that point, and he is no longer inexperienced. So That's true. And so, Although Dennis Gardeck is healthy, and Dennis Gardeck got hurt yeah. against the Eagles in that game, so. And, and you know who else is healthy? Uh, Hassan Reddick. Oh boy. Yeah. Hassan, take it easy, man. Just pace yourself in this one. I know the last two games, Hassan Reddick has been a force. He has like three and a half sacks. Last two games, he has a couple of strip sacks, and we know he came in with Carolina last year, and he had the big strip sack of Colt McCoy earlier in the game. Cardinals are down 17 nothing by the end of the first quarter, and Hassan Reddick was a big reason why in that game against Carolina a year ago. So, you know, he's going to be fired up. You know who else is going to be fired up, though? I got a prediction. Zach Ertz. I think Zach Ertz, uh, you know, I, this, this will be a big game for Zach Ertz. If you're looking for another reason why maybe they said, you know what, Andy Isabella, thanks but no thanks. Uh, how about the fact they are carrying four tight ends? Trey McBride got worked in yeah. with several catches, and, and Zach Ertz is starting to look more and more comfortable. And, and uh, you know, if they have to flex him out into the slot at times, he's very well suited to play that role.
So I could see Cliff Kingsbury scheming around that. Yeah, got that touchdown, cradled the football like his baby, and then he spiked the football, which I don't think was also a <laughs> nod to his newborn son. Um, but in terms of Zach Ertz and, and the Eagles, you like that one, I, That was good. I was. I, I got to give you big props for that, Dan. Um, I mean, do you really think at how different that Eagles team is and now he's almost two full years removed that this is still a very meaningful game? Well, he's not too far. I mean, we're we're just about a, we're, you know we're about oh, a, year, a, year. a year from the trade, not yeah, quite but, a year. Yeah, I don't it's know. the first you, time but, he's playing him. Absolutely, this is going to be a okay. big deal to him. Okay, we're talking about Zach Ertz. Well, we're, we're not talking, talking about, about the baby. No, Hassan Radeke. What do you mean two full years? I, I was, I got I was wrong. Okay. Sorry, oh, one right. year. No, I got thrown by that. Okay. <laughs> and I do think Nobody's perfect, I think, I think yeah. Hassan Reddick is going to care about this game a lot, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And Absolutely. it is two years. Yeah, no doubt. Well, one and a half. Yeah. So what's the realistic expectation for this offense at this point? I mean, is it just a matter of time? Are you starting to lose belief in a team that's yet to score a point in the first quarter? A team that's been outscored in the first half through four games, 66-16. to 16. Uh, I mean, what what exactly is is going on here? Anybody have an answer, a theory, a hot take? I'll take anything at this point. I'm not sure. I guess it's more of a hot take. I'm not sure. No disrespect to DeAndre Hopkins, who's missing the first six weeks because of a suspension. If you were to to add D Hop in in right now, knowing he can obviously completely change a game, the contested throws, all of that good stuff, would he really? make a difference of how this offense as a whole is performing and moving the chains. I don't know how convinced I am. Wow. And that's not a knock on D-Hub. I'm just saying I think that there is, for whatever reason, this team struggling to score, play a strong first half, move the chains. Do you really – I mean, I'm asking, do you really think if you were to plop D-Hub in right now that, like, suddenly these offensive woes would be no more? To a large degree, Yes. So really? the fact yes. Yeah, so the fact that you you're still not confident with D Hop, that's sobering. I'm 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 not saying I'm not confident having him on the field or I'm not saying that he's not going to make a difference or you know, he's not a game changer by simply being in the lineup. Not at all. I'm just saying that I think there this the problems on this offense are larger than just not yeah. having D Hop on the field. See, I I'm looking at it from the other way in in answering this question. You're saying if he comes back, does it change things? And I'm saying if you take him out, it shouldn't look this bad. Yes. So by the reciprocal look at it, it shouldn't be that much crazy good just because he walks back in the door. Okay, but guys, look, look at last year. Look at how bad it was ever since he left the lineup last year, and look at how good it was before he left. Look at the before and after of last year, which is really all we have to go on. Well, and are you then saying the beginning before he got year, hurt the first time? Because his the games that they played when he came back before he hurt his knee were not great. The which games refresh and my memory. And then wasn't on this that one. also the so same he, time when Chase Edmonds and James Conner yes, were alternating when they were getting yes, hurt? Yes, but they, he he got hurt with a hamstring. Okay, and he missed that time, and he missed the same three games Kyler did. They came back together. It was in the Chicago. Green Bay game. He hurt the hamstring, yes. right? Okay. Then he missed he missed three games. Right. The Colt games. Yep. Came back with Kyler. They won in Chicago. Wasn't it but, the Rams game he hurt his knee? Yeah, which was like... Uh, Weeks 14? 14? Okay. 
15? I think it was 14. Almost thinking about saying something no. to us. I was going to say Monday Night Football against the Rams. Right, I but 14. I just don't know what week it was. I'm trying to figure out how many games he played. Because the, there was a couple games in the middle yeah. that weren't fantastic when they were still struggling, and he was in there. Here's what I'll say, is that in those three games that he missed were all when Kyler missed as well. Yes. It was Colt McCoy. Yes. Right? So think, well, those are the and, three games he missed yes, with the hamstring. With the yes. hamstring. And, and, and I guess here's my point, is as still somewhat of a young quarterback, and definitely a young quarterback a year ago, everything you hear talking to players on and off the record about what D-Hop does to define coverage for Kyler Murray, that when just the presence, literally just the presence of D-Hop that commands either extra attention, double coverage, whatever a defense is willing to devote, trickles down through the rest of the coverages and allows sort of defined things for Kyler. Now, Cole McCoy gets in there. He's got 15 years of experience. It was a different offense with a different emphasis. When they won those two out of three games, they ran the ball very well, even though there was one game where he threw up 30-plus pass attempts. But it was just a different offense with Colt McCoy running it. With Kyler, I think D-Hop is truly vital for him. And now... If your question is, when he comes back, if you're confident that the offense will rebound and look much better, just the presence of Hollywood Brown as well and how you would think that would trickle down, that's what you hear, is when D-Hop comes back, then all of a sudden Hollywood Brown won't see nearly as much defensive attention. So you're hoping that becomes a downfield passing attack just in itself. I'll give you that. That combo. But, But also, in the context of what we're talking about right now, we're still two games away from that. I mean, they've got two games to play before Hop can even come back on the practice field and then, by the way, not practice at all before his first game because they're going to walk through because it's a Thursday night game. So I'm going to say right now, what is, how does that help them now with these slow starts? How does that help them with the Eagles? How does it help them with a crappy-ass sorry, uh, Seattle defense but knowing you're probably going to need to score a ton because – Apparently, Geno Smith and Russell Wilson did the whole body swap thing. And now Geno Smith is playing in Russell Wilson's body in Denver. And Russell Wilson, a young Russell Wilson, is playing as Geno Smith in Seattle. I mean, if I'm going to call them the last place Seahawks the entirety of the offseason, I guess i got to keep it fair. The Seahawks did not punt that entire game against Detroit. You realize that with Geno Smith, they went touchdown, touchdown, field goal, touchdown, miss field goal, touchdown, field goal, touchdown, end of the game. 48 wow. points on the board. <laughs> Who saw that coming with Geno Smith? I just Certainly not this guy. I also need to say real quick, 48-45 with Scorigami, that blows me away. I cannot believe. I know it's high scoring, but I can't believe there was never an NFL game ever to end 48-45. Yeah. yeah, so... I mean, there wasn't like, uh, you know, olden days like the uh, the Chargers, Air Coriel or something from the olden days, right? Something like that. Yeah, that's... Uh, olden days, just from like five years ago. Well... What did we learn, though? What did you learn in this Carolina game? That, oh, I don't know, the Cardinals come out and they rush it 37 times, Danny, for a buck 32. Now it ends up being less than four yards of carry. Some of that had to do with the kneel downs at the very end. But James Conner, Eno Benjamin, Daryl Williams all looked really good in their own right at different times. I would say that the Cardinals in their last three games have had the advantage when it comes to O-line. If you're going to do a tail of the tape, Cardinals O-line was definitely better than the Raiders O-line, definitely better than the Rams O-line, definitely better than Carolina's O-line. I thought that's advantage Arizona. Uh, Eagles O-line, I don't know, maybe it's more of a push. But especially the Eagles offensive line is pretty good. Pretty darn good. But okay. they're banged up. Aren't, isn't their tackle out? Yeah, but the guy who came in to replace them played really, really well. 
based on what I learned from Ron Wolfley yesterday in the coaches show, Basinonians, that uh, the Eagles' rush defense is not all that great. So maybe you come out, especially <laughs> Wolf always thinks that. With receivers, you can run on them. Yeah, yet another week with another reason to run the ball. So uh, by the way, Cliff Kingsbury, props to him for taking a little dig at Wolf at the end of the postgame radio interview. That was solid right there. I should have given him the mic just to drop it live on the air. That would have been good because it was an excellent walk off at Wolf's expense. Uh, so, but but in this case. Danny, I guess to answer your question in a really long, roundabout fashion, um, maybe you do run the ball first and foremost because there's no doubt the Cardinals are losing the battle of scripted plays right now. They're winning the battle of halftime adjustments, losing the battle of the first 15 scripted plays. And I think we got to see that when they took the lead the first time they've had a lead all season in Carolina's, the ability to then be a little more balanced, go back to the plays that you have as opposed to playing from behind the entire game. Uh, it will be interesting to see moving forward how this offensive line looks. Justin Pugh, your left guard who entered the game, questionable with an elbow injury, left the game, I guess re-aggravated that same elbow. And Cliff Kingsbury recently said, do you like that, Paul? Recently said that Pugh was going to be day-to-day at this point. Um, I mean, you lost Will Hernandez when he was ejected yeah. for, <laughs> I guess, bumping yep. into the official when he was trying to get to a Panthers player in the scuffle when James Conner was thrown to the ground. But signing Billy Price, even if it's, you know, keep him on the practice squad as Yo, he's de- on a regular, roster. Re- regular roster as depth, yeah. if you're going to go with Sean Harlow, it just makes you wonder what's going to happen with Rodney Hudson at center if he's hurt or Justin Pugh if he's going to be out for however, whoever knows how long. I mean, it, it was still a 10-10 game in Carolina when Will Hernandez got ejected. And I'll be honest with you, on the sideline, I'm like, okay, your two guards are now Max Garcia and Sean Harlow, wow. gripping a little bit over there. I got, I got the first two words, and I like Will Hernandez a lot. I hope he didn't take anything personally, or maybe he just didn't give a crap what you, I said. You're pretty harsh in print. I said incredibly dumb, and I still think it was. And I got a lot of heat from fans saying – you're stupid, you've never played sports, blah, 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 which is not, not true. Not true. Darren plays basketball. <laughs> Save it for the mailbag. I have no problem backing up your teammate. And if the game had been out of hand either way, have at it. Go swing your helmet, I don't care. You know but what, though? It's 10-10, you, your kicker's hurting, you don't know if you can pull out a win here, your offenses look very poor, and you have a chance to be on the doorstep of a touchdown. They've already thrown a flag, so you know it's against Carolina at this point. And Contain your emotions. You, I mean, in that case, you have to. That's just how I feel about it. Look, again, if they were down by 20 or up by 20, do whatever you want. I don't care. Because at that point, it can be about the message you send. But I'm watching James Conner on the ground after he gets thrown down, and he looks back at, at the guy who threw him down. He kind of He's sitting up, and he kind of puts his arms up like, what the hell, man? Right. But where's the flag? But it, the the gesture to me said, okay, I'm fine. I'm irritated, but I'm fine. Or or do what yeah. at the least do it. Kelvin Beecham protected his teammate too. But what he did, he go chest to chest with a guy and started yelling at him, but kept his arms to the side and didn't do anything. So just so I have complete understanding, things that I don't know, the James Conner bicep tattoo, which I was not quite aware of, and then is it truly zero tolerance running into an official? Because he, he kind of ran through the back of the official getting – the official's back was to Will Hernandez. Yes. You know, Will Hernandez sort of ran through him yes. to get to – Luvu or what was this guy's yeah, name? Frankie. Yeah. I'll call him Frankie. Frankie. Recently. Yeah. Anyway, 
the and so I didn't quite realize. I mean, are, are you, no touch rule on well, the officials at all. And here, here is what really was interesting was because they get in scrums all the time. They get hit all the time with a you know friendly fire. Well, I don't know exactly what happened. I I do know that it was pretty clear that somebody in New York was watching the. That's why it took so long was because somebody in New York was calling the officials on the field saying, yeah, this guy needs to get ejected. Wow. I think is part of it. Look, I don't argue with you, and there's lots of fans who look at the video and said, the pan- this Panther hit this official too, and this happened, and this ha-. might all be true. But all I can think of is if you don't go run through the official, they can't throw you out. Yeah. Let's have yeah. a little yeah. accountability here. That's just how I feel about it. I understand yeah. the emotion of the moment. I get all of those things. But this is a team that was one and two, that was losing to a terrible, or, or tied, at that point tied, tied with a terrible Carolina team. You had to have the win. You've been awful on offense. You can't afford penalties to back you up because you can't overcome it usually. I, I'm hey, sorry. I that's I feel very strongly about that. Even the dirtiest player in recent NFL history, Richie Incognito, yes. had football IQ about when and where and how. Yeah. He, he knew when to go and just to shut it or stop it, and so he wouldn't draw the flag and he would infuriate the opponent. Uh, so yeah, there there's and Will Hernandez got a talking to by Sean Coogler when yeah. he got to the sideline. And, and, and again, so I'm glad he backed up his his. Yep. And and I had a couple fans say. I'm glad he did it, and they ended up winning anyways. I'm like, yeah, but at the time, you didn't know. I mean, if they had gone backwards and Matt Prater had been too hurt to kick at that point, and he was pretty close to that, he booted the field goal, thank goodness, but it was right after that that he didn't kick anymore, kick off. Yep. And if 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 he hadn't been able to kick that field goal, you come out of there with no points. I mean, how bad is that? Speaking of angry birds, and by the way, I think we should do something with that here at AZ Cardinals Incorporated. I don't know why you're talking about Danny like that. Angry birds. You know, ha there's, ha. I mean, the whole Kyle Brandt thing on NFL Network, angry runs. Why don't we do something with angry birds? I don't know exactly what. You guys can figure that out. Did I can't, you ever play I can't that th- game on your phone? I can't think of everything. A little bit. Oh, you, uh, when the kids were younger, I did. Yeah, I used to, you know. But... Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna put I'm gonna put I'm gonna put Rondale Moore. I'm gonna put Rondale Moore into the whole Angry Bird thing right next to Will Hernandez. Now for different reasons. Yeah. Uh you know, so when we ask about how do you resolve this Cardinals offense, I think you gotta figure out a role for Rondale Moore. I know that's not next level analysis. Yeah. It just seems like the square peg into the round hole right now. Rondale Moore and everything that we heard about him getting downfield targets, he appeared to be the horizontal guy all over again. Yeah, and he doesn't appear to be the happiest camper based on how he met the media last week and just sort of. Yeah, I, I'm just. If you can come up with a solution, a resolution for Rondale Moore, I think that might go a long way towards getting this offense in gear. I agree with you. And if I'm remembering reading correctly, I don't think that had to do with him being limited in any fashion, making his season debut coming off the hamstring injury. Didn't he play a significant amount of snaps? Oh, Was yeah. it like in the 70s? Yeah, like 70 yeah. to 80% so, so of the it, snaps. Yes. Yeah, it didn't have to yep. do with him being limited, nope. I wouldn't nope. think. Nope. It, it, which is exactly my point. He just he appears to be so... Now, he's not exactly... The most jovial, or you know, uh, guy. With He's the, reserved. Yes, so it can be a little tough to tell. But if you can harness and unleash what appears to be some uh, serious frustration with Rondell Moore right now, and take it out on secondaries and get him downfield and get him that separation that might merit some targets, I, I'm just saying I, I'd love to see 
a solution for that. I don't know how this week's going to ultimately play out, especially with the return of Antoine Wesley. I don't know if he'll even be a factor. I'm just thinking when there are things that can help this Cardinals offense. Obviously, Kyler running the ball helped this Cardinals offense. And is it just me, or is Cliff Kingsbury now going on the record and actually espousing and being in favor of Kyler running the ball more than we'd heard? He used to sort of, you know, play ride the fence on that. So, I I don't I don't I don't know. I feel you're. I don't think you're wrong. I I've grown tired of trying to read those two guys with how Kyler runs the ball or not because. I get it. There's fatigue on this topic well, for Darren. Just, I get it. It's not just fatigue. It's it's fatigue with trying to read between the lines with yeah. both of them or not read between the lines. I always have thought at first I've thought at first it was Cliff always wanted Kyler to run, but he wanted to defer to Kyler because he knew Kyler wasn't always comfortable with it. But you you saw Kyler run all the time in college and that didn't make a lot of sense. Then Kyler started talking about and he made very clear in the past, my my legs are a luxury. I'd rather not run. I'd rather be known for a, being a pocket guy. It's not a necessity it's for not us a to necessity. move the ball. Yeah. Okay, that's why you're not running. I think you should run. I think Cliff was disappointed he wouldn't run, but you can't make the guy run when he's the one with the ball. Um, and, and, then, and if you call designed runs, then that doesn't go over real well. And and guess what? He has now quote free reign. He'll just check out of it. And and now it's like. Now Kyler's like, well, whatever they want me to do. And I'm like, I think they wanted you to do this all. It's just, it's hard to tell. But we saw in Carolina, his numbers weren't great. Even without the kneel downs, it's it's nine rushes for 29 yards, I think it was. And his best run was called back because of a penalty. But it impacts the defense. I mean, they look like they had sniffed it out in the first half. So I don't know if the Cardinals made some adjustments with when and how Kyler ran. There was a play where Kyler Murray kept the ball and dodged upfield between the guard and the tackle and went nowhere near the sideline running the ball like 10 yards downfield. He managed to avoid a big hit, Yep. and I haven't seen that in a long time. There was another play where he came screaming to the Cardinals' sideline. It was deep in their own territory, and he took a big hit, and I thought he was going down right near the white stripe, and he stayed on his feet. You're reminded of how stout he is. His lower body is strong. Well, it's funny. When we see him in the press conferences now after games, now Carolina was a little different because he left his entire uniform on with pads and everything, him and J.J. But most of the time when he comes out these days, it's in his football pants and his undershirt. And he, I mean, he's not super tall, but he is jacked. And he is sturdy. Great balance, good yeah. lower body. I mean, you know, he I mean, stays on his feet. If a 290-pound right. guy yeah. runs into him, he's going to have yeah. problems. But but my point is that if you take a poll of defensive coordinators every week they play the Cardinals, the one thing that keeps them up all night is Kyler getting loose. That's the thing they really fear that they don't have an answer for. Even Matt Rule told the media last week going back to – yeah, the NCAA days when he was at Baylor and Temple, Matt Rule said, and I'm looking at the quote right here, I saw Kyler do things in college that just made me want to walk off the field. So when you come into the game with 12 rushing attempts through three games and you end the game with 12 rushing attempts, three were kneel downs, it, it tends to represent a change in attitude or philosophy or game planning or decision-making by Kyler and you can account, you can count me among those who are saying uh, more, please. Yeah, let's see more of that, especially against an Eagles defense that might be smelling itself right now. 
Yeah, I mean, look, Kyler Murray's not the only quarterback teams around the league are having to defend against that has the accuracy and the strength. It's his ability to scramble and extend plays that really makes him that much more of a threat. I'm wondering, though, of, you know, we've seen Kyler really bring out those legs when this team has been in the process of coming back. Yeah. So if if the Cardinals can find a way to get a fast start offensively and take and hold a lead, I don't think we're going to see him run. I mean, I, I'm not sure that would necessarily change. I, I know at halftime, and Drew Stan has said this before, but on the radio side, Drew Stan said he particularly loves Kyler running in the red zone. That's really effective. Well, again, when you've got such tight space in terms of throwing the ball, you can't. You don't always. You can't always account for the quarterback running down there. That's why it's so effective. It's so dangerous. And, and we saw it against the Raiders, right? When there's a short path to the pylon, and Kyler's got that quick burst. Guess what? He, he's going to beat your DB to the pylon most of the time. So yeah, it can be really effective. I just, you know, I guess the question becomes. Do you need Kyler to run, dot, dot, dot? Here's the new form of this question because it's been the same question every year. The new form of the question at this point, at this moment, is do you need Kyler to run to maximize this Cardinals offense? And I would say yes. Yes, I think especially right now. Now, I think when you start to get some players back, you get Antoine Wesley back from IR. You get DeAndre Hopkins back. I don't know how much that might change things. AJ Green coming back from his knee injury, if maybe they start to find their groove a little more, if they can start to string along some wins. But I think right now my answer to your question is yes. I think I, I think with James Conner in the backfield, I think he's really good in short yardage and I think he's really good in goal line situations. But if he's your main running back out in the middle of the field, I think you need the threat of Kyler Murray potentially running the ball to make him a little bit more effective in the run game. So, I mean, look at this team that's coming in, right? I mean, look at this Eagles offense right now. Look at a, a Miles Sanders who had the best game of his career. Of course, it was in the rain and they emphasized the run as they came back and they beat the Jags. The Eagles did 29-21 and Miles Sanders had 27 carries for a buck 34 and two touchdowns. You know, you had Jalen Hurts throwing a pick six early. They're able to get away with that because the Philadelphia defense had five takeaways, as we said. But they have two really good receivers in A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. They have the run game. They have the running quarterback, who's also thrown for over 1,100 yards through four games. How equipped is this Cardinals defense, Darren, you think, right now for this test? Considering how bad Baker was, it's going to be a huge difference in terms of offensive firepower and offensive execution because Baker was bad if I recall correctly Jalen Hurts played pretty well against the Cardinals in 2020 when he was inexperienced so I mean yes yes he did I think I think this is going to be very difficult to to slow them down and I this is why I think the offense it's so important for this the Cardinals offense to play well this week because I I think uh, you know, I don't think 20 points is winning this game. So you're going to have to put some points on the board to to somehow get a win. And, and the Eagles have historically not done well in Arizona. I'd have to look, but I when was the last time they won in Arizona? 2001, maybe? <laughs> I mean, yeah. It's been a long Now, they long haven't time. played a ton of, ton right. of times. Yeah. but um, Yeah, but I mean, Darren, I don't want to be the Debbie Downer. The Cardinals haven't looked good in Arizona. Well, see here, I have a theory on that, Danny is that I'm pretty sure there's going to be a ton of Eagles fans here, 
And if it feels like a little bit like a road game, the oh, Cardinals play sad. really well on the road. That is sad. <laughs> That's right. I mean, they don't lose on the road. So, well, here's the the barometer. If you have to go into a silent count in your own stadium, then you Yikes. are playing a road game. So we'll see if that happens. We'll see if the Cardinals. That's the question you need to go around the locker room with. Are you practicing the silent count this week? Because I'm not doing that. You're looking at me. I'm not doing that. Could be a t- sideline exchange. Boom. Whoever your guest is, you got to ask him that. Cliff, you know what? I don't Cliff. think you actually follow through on putting the power <laughs> rankings, taping it up in the locker room oh, last week. So maybe you oh, should do that, oh, Paul, oh, this week. Wow. Hello. Hello. I better move it along. Uh, so anyway, yeah. Danny the, remembers a lot of stuff. Danny remembers. All the Eagles fans that you figure will be in attendance, we'll see how that goes. Maybe, you know, maybe it triggers the Cardinals in some way like they are on the road and there's a mouthy fan behind the bench and that sort of thing. I don't know. All I know is that, um, you know, the defense definitely looked better. It's, yes. it's definitely oh, sound. Yeah. It, it, look, would they have lost the opener against Kansas City either way? Yeah, I think we can all agree on that. But they were not alignment and assignment sound. It was just the communication was so bad. So I think they figured it. Banchos was at least figured out the roles. And I don't know if – did you guys see this as an honest question? What was the blitz percentage against Carolina? It didn't appear or seem like they blitzed nearly no. as much as they had the first three weeks. I, I, I don't know the blitz number on that. I do think it'll be interesting of kind of what I touched on the beginning of – yeah, the defense had a great game. You weren't playing a great team. You were playing a quarterback in Baker Mayfield who's not the most mobile, likes to hold on to the ball, and it's going to be very different going up against yes. Jalen Hurts, who's rushed for 20 or more yards every game. He had 90 the first week. I think the other two games were upwards of 45 or 55 yards he's used his legs on. This is going to be a very different test than what this defense is coming off of last week. I do still think that is important realizing you can put together that type of performance, that kind of confidence. You're having playmakers who are not named J.J. Watt impact the game significantly, which I think is a big deal as well. But this this Eagles team is going to be very different than this Panthers team, the win that they're coming off of for the defense. I mean, Think about it. The Eagles not only are the only undefeated team at 4-0, they lead the NFL in turnover ratio, although the Cardinals are number three in turnover ratio. So the, the, these are the top two teams. In, in, in two of the top teams in that category. Here's the thing. The Cardinals are last in the NFL in sacks with only four. The Eagles are first with 16. So they have gotten to the quarterback. Once, seems know. like a lot, Paul. And, yeah. and that's the thing is so. when you look at, look, nobody else is Patrick Mahomes. I understand that every quarterback's been different. But getting to Baker Mayfield was very different than how they're going to have to get to Jalen Hurts and his ability yeah. to move and get the ball out much quicker. So what kind of pass rush are the Cardinals going to be able to generate this week? Yeah. All right, so here's here's the question you do ask then, Danny, since you stymied me on the earlier one. You walk around and you ask, practicing against a quarterback every day like a Kyla Murray with elite athleticism like a Jalen Hurts, how much does that help the Cardinals' defense for this matchup? I would think absolutely. I think absolutely that helps. One Oklahoma Sooner to another. I would think that helps going up against Kyla Murray in practice every day. I don't know. I, I feel like they both are very uh, mobile, obviously, but I feel like they're different kinds of – I mean, Kyler's kind of squirrely all back there, and I just feel like Jalen Hurts feels more like a, a Cam Newton-esque, like yeah. with a better, more accuracy, yeah. better arm, where um, you know, you're know you going to have a tough time bringing him down because he's so big and he squats 8,000 million pounds. It's a lot. And I, I saw that on the Manning cast on the Monday Night Football. They showed that video from, right, 600-pound squat by Jalen Hurts. My back hurts. Just no joke. I know you don't wow. believe in curses, Darren, but isn't it when when players go on the Manning cast that 
I think I saw it's like one and eight or something. Their game the following really? week. Do you I believe in that kind that. of curse? Wow, it's the new SI cover curse. Is that what you're saying? New I, Sports I Illustrated. I, I yeah. don't believe in the curse. Wow, I I, I'll take it. I'll take it if somebody wants to. If it gets yeah. in Jalen Hurts's head, that's sure. fine with me. I didn't realize he was besties with Peyton Manning. I guess Peyton Manning had been somewhat of a mentor for Jalen Hurts over the well, years. Peyton that's Manning's what they were so talking old, about. All these quarterbacks in the league went to his passing <laughs> academy at some yeah, point. Yeah, you're right. So I wasn't actually – I was in the locker room doing interviews. You guys were in the press room, and that was the place to be uh, for J.J. Watt. Actually, it was uh, – Darren, okay. Just Good. Danny. I was in the locker room okay. for uh, scrums. So, so what it was, was just it? Darren in the press so conference room. We, we've seen the video, but, I yeah. mean, kind of give us the temperature of the room and, and what that was like when J.J. got up in front of the podium and, and eventually got very emotional. For it, good reason. Yeah. It, it, the, the whole day was really weird, Paul, and you guys both know this. I mean, you're, you're sitting there right bef- you know, f- about 45 minutes before Danny and I were going to do our initial hour of the pregame radio before you do your two hours. Uh, that's when JJY originally tweeted it out. I didn't know anything about it. I saw it pop up. I'm like, holy crap. You know? So you weren't the guy who was about to report it? No. no. Okay. And uh, wrote my story, and you talk about it, but I mean – by the from the time he tweeted it to the time he talked about it, there's like seven or eight hours that go by. Yep. And uh, he came in full uniform, was talking low enough, and we were far enough back that it was almost hard to hear him at first. He wasn't upset at that point. He was just quiet, and I wasn't sure how much he was going to say because the first question was, "Well, explain exactly what's going on, what happened." And he was kind of hesitant at first, and then he opened up, but. The question that got him was the one of so at one point he was asked, you know, when is your child due? And he's like a few weeks. And he goes, that also had to, he had already talked about going through all this. And the question was that also had to be on your mind. And he said a couple things and then he, there were big long pauses as he really fought the tears. He never quite completely broke down. It, you've seen this a million times when you, you get up there and you're, you're trying to fight the tears, and you, yep. you know if you open your mouth to talk, it's over. So he was trying to avoid that, um, and eventually got back to football where he could kind of adjust himself. But yeah, it was clearly super emotional with going through the AFib last week, and and as he said, he goes, "I've," and I'm paraphrasing, but you know, I've I've had a bunch of surgeries, I've been hurt many times, I've had had to have anesthesia, I've been in pain. I've never been scared of any of that. And yet when they put me under to tell me that they were going to shock my heart, I was scared. And the other part that really stuck with me was, especially after the Tua stuff with the concussion, was the part where he said, I was assured by multiple doctors I could play. Um, I thought, and he admitted he thought about not playing, but ultimately he wanted to play because that's what he does. And he couldn't think otherwise. And while he could have sat on his couch, he just said it would have been uncomfortable home sitting on his couch when they when he told him he probably could, when he told me could play. And he said that you can say that's and I, I like this part. He said you can. Say, I don't know if that's right or wrong, and maybe I'm messed up, but that's basically how I felt. I mean, when he, you know the doctors, according to JJ, told him you're fine. If you feel comfortable, you can play. But yeah, that's that's a huge leap. That's a huge leap when three days earlier from game day, your heart was shocked to get back into rhythm. So you can understand everything involved in there. I'll just tell you this much down in the sideline, the vibe I got. 
because the energy on defense was by far the best all season long. And, and I think a lot of guys looked at 99 and said, you know what, if he's playing, I can play four quarters. If this guy's suited up and he's going and he played the majority of the snaps, least I can do is bring 100-plus for four quarters. And I think it did trickle down onto that sideline. The energy was palpable on that defense for the first time this season, other than late going against the Raiders when they came out of the locker room pretty amped up. But but right from the get-go, the Cardinals defense was ready to play. And you can't tell me that didn't have a lot to do with everybody knowing what J.J. had just been through. We've heard since J.J. got here the power he has, not just on the field, but as a leader and elevating those around him. And obviously this has not been a situation that he's dealt with in the past. And, you know, they haven't been alluding to that when his teammates and the coaching staff has said how J.J. leads this team and leads by example. But absolutely, I think seeing him out there playing as hard as he plays every down is motivation. And also the fact that J.J. Watt is that motivation, that leader, that spark every week of maybe the players thinking, you know what? Maybe this week we got to bring a little more and give that to him this time. So for everyone griping and grousing in the mailbag this week, you know, keep it in perspective, okay? Think of, think of what J.J. Watt just uh, dealt with and what he to get back out on that field, which is my segue into the mailbag this week, Darren, by the way. Yes. You know, I mean, give us, give us a little update here. You know, I mean, what, what is the topic du jour this week uh, from fans? Well, what do they want to know? I did have one guy who mentioned that he listens to the podcast. and he Thank you. He was asking about execution. And when all these players and coaches – talk about needing to execute better whose fault is that like are we talking about Mm. players are we talking about coaches and he wanted us to expound on that and i for me it you you don't know i mean execution can mean a lot of different things it can mean a player's not running the right pass route but it also could mean the coaches aren't getting the plan on time or they're calling the wrong play i mean to me execution is there's a lot involved in saying we're not executing, to me. I agree. Uh, I also do think it's important that like the coaching staff isn't out on the field. At some point, that, that uh, yeah. speaker goes off, and it's up to the players to make the play. So I'm not saying it if there's mistakes yes. or in terms of questioning execution, that's all on the players. Absolutely, absolutely, the coaching staff does play a role in that. I think execution pretty much every time, at least to a certain degree, is always more on the players because they're the ones out on the field. I would agree with that. And yeah, it can be, you know, it can be a drop pass, it can be a missed block, it could be a mental error, a missed assignment, it it could be any and all of the above. Most of the time I would say, yeah, it's it just speaks to the caliber of play or lack thereof, as opposed to the coaching. Sometimes you know, Cliff and company might be guilty of getting the play in late. I will say though that in this last game where they had issues uh, a lot of it wasn't from the play caller or the coaches. There were certain players who maybe didn't know what package they were in, or maybe when they got out to the huddle, broke the huddle, and didn't know what their assignment was. And there were a couple of guys who were repeat offenders who I won't name unless the coach does, but uh, he's protecting some of the guilty, I can tell you on that much. So they got to get that ironed out. They, they really need to get that ironed out because that's the kind of stuff that happens in August in preseason games when guys don't know what packages or what the play is and then you're taking that much more sec you know time off the play clock to have a personal one-on-one with a guy as to what his assignment is on that play so uh you know i i actually i, I think if that continues 
A, it's inexcusable at this level, and B, I think Cliff might start naming names if you don't clean that up. That's my my little mini rant on this one uh, from okay your sideline that. reporter there. So, by the way, here is my one game question, and this is a legitimate question, and then we'll wrap up this edition of Cardinals Underground. If Vance Joseph has done an excellent job the last three weeks of taking away the team's best weapon, whether it's Devontae Adams, Cooper Cup to a certain degree, even though he had the 20-yard jet sweep, touchdown run, okay. And then, of course, this last week, Christian McCaffrey, non-factor. Who was that guy for the Eagles? Is it Miles Sanders? Is it A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, who's had some ridiculous catches, a lot of production? Is it just strictly Jalen Hurts? But you can go into any game trying to defuse the quarterback. What do you think? What's the philosophy? Who's who's the guy that's atop the Vance Joseph coaching grease board this week? That's a good question. I think if you were to ask Vance, his answer is always first and foremost, stop the run. So he'd probably immediately go to Miles Sanders. But you're right, they have some receiving weapons. And this secondary is really going to have to make sure they are on their A game. It'll be interesting to see if cornerback Antonio Hamilton, who will, he's now able to come back and practice and then he'll have to be put on the roster um, if he's ready and he's able physically to do that my, my guess is no just because he's missed so much time and that's a position where you've got to be in the right shape in my opinion to to get a lot of playing time it'll be interesting to see I mean uh, Jim Omohundro gave us the stats and it ended up being that that 2020 game the when Jalen Hurts played uh, Cardinals won 33 26 Cardinals got 16 first quarter points. Wow. That would be something. Yep. Um, Kyler Murray threw for 406 yards that day. Whoa. Mm. Which is amazing. DeAndre Hopkins, uh, nine catches, 169 yards. Larry Fitzgerald scored the last touchdown of his NFL career, assuming he's retired. What do you know, Darren? Uh, Jalen Hurts ended up throwing for 338 yards and three touchdowns, and I don't think he had any picks that day. Wow. And, and that was in his second start. I was going to say, it was, yeah, okay, there you go. That's, yeah, because I remember, you know, I mean, the Cardinals have run into that at times. Cam Newton's very first start. Yes. Russell, Russell Wilson. Russell, I mean, they, they've run into that a few times. And even Matt Leinert, his few, first few starts back as yeah. a Cardinals rookie, had the 400-yard passing game against and the, the Vikings. Night, and the Monday night, the Monday, well, right? yeah, yeah, the Monday night meltdown yeah, yeah. game, he was really good. He was red hot in the they, first half, yeah. so. Sometimes we, you know, you don't know what you don't know, and uh, you just go out there and you play, and it can be very productive. And when there's not a lot of film out there on you as to what to take away from defensive coordinators, you, you can excel. So we'll see, excel in that one. But uh, yeah, we'll see. I mean, look, what I enjoyed the most about that Carolina win was just the booze coming down from the Panthers fans. You know, I got a text from someone in our department who was watching the game um, at her apartment here, and she texted me and said. Am I hearing correctly on the TV that they're booing Baker on every play? Oh, that was Repeatedly, bad. yes, and deservedly, they were booing Baker Mayfield. It, it reminded me of the Cardinals win last year in Seattle when the 12s in the fourth quarter started unloading yeah. on, on Russell Wilson and the Seahawks. Never heard that before in Seattle. Never yeah. heard the 12s booing the home team. Yeah, I okay. think that that was the beginning and the end in a lot of ways. I that's, think That's why Russell Wilson wanted to get into Geno Smith's body, body swap. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So, uh, by the way, Atlanta, here's one for you. Atlanta ran it 14 times in a row in this last game. Uh, so, you know what? If the Cardinals come out and that's what it takes, you know, that's what it takes. Come out there and if, if that's the liability for the Eagles. So, Paul, I got a little something before we close out, though. Okay, here we go. We do have to give props. As much as it might pain me on this <laughs> oh. Cardinals Underground podcast, we do have to give props to our very own Darren Urban 
Emmy Award winning oh, for the folktales he worked nice. on with Tim Delaney, one of the many Emmy winners yes. in our department for folktales, the you, series that started you, last season giving exclusive behind-the-scenes look at all different kinds of stories throughout the history of the organization, not just players and games, but all different kinds of unique stories as well. Season two has started, but your folktales, which was thank you, Coach. Yeah, thanks, Coach. Thanks, Coach. The Monday Night Meltdown one. Yes, actually. speech. So speech. I, I, no speech. No. No speech, although I do appreciate the props. I would say go to our YouTube page and please check out all the folktales because they're still up there and not just my episode, but all the episodes that everybody worked on very hard. And actually the first episode of this season, Danny worked on, which was the hyphen wins a house. We've got the second one coming out next week, which is a Drew, the Stanton shuffle on Drew Stanton's dance in aforementioned Seattle. So, And there's also the podcast that Paul does yes, with Jim Mahundra, the articles. There's all different ways to consume folktales. Yes. I will say, nobody worry. When we were out in Charlotte, I did with my own eyes watch Darren celebrate. <laughs> I looked true. at him and I said, ooh, all the times you and Paul bring up me going out on the road on That's the podcast, true. I can't wait to turn oh, the tables. Gee. And he said, as long as you say it was Emmy Award winning Darren Urban <laughs> celebrating, then it's fine. Celebrating. I love how she just doesn't say had a drink in his hand. Well, if it would have been a home game, he would have been in attendance at the Emmy ceremony yeah, on Saturday night. Yes, so my wife was actually disappointed. Yeah, exactly. You're right, because it's, so. it's a big shindig. It's a good night out. That's no, all right. That's great. Uh, congratulations. And Thank you. Uh, you know what? We end on a win. I don't know. That's right. You know, who knows what's going to happen here in week five, but we end Cardinals Underground. Week five will be I, Rondale. Ooh, Isaiah! Okay. Now, was that was that right? He couldn't just walk <laughs> off into the sunset, <laughs> keeping it positive. It. We, we didn't even talk positive. about Isaiah and the oh, and, say, and, more, and on the snaps he snaps. played. That's true. You know, there's only one at a time. So now that I Andy is is no moss, then I'm going to shuffle in uh, Isaiah. Okay. Great. Especially since I couldn't really do it when he's only getting 15 snaps a game, That's but now true. that he got 80 plus percent of the snaps, then boom. That's a good point. Isaiah rides effective here in week yes. five. As uh, we'll go with that. Here on Cardinals Underground, brought to you by Pacific Office Automation.